We're back for another episode of the Room for Nuance podcast. I'm Sean DeMars. I'm Mike McKinley. <laughs> and we are excited to be here. Mike, will you open us up in prayer? I will. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your goodness and all the ways that it's expressed to us. We thank you uh, for the time to um, uh, think through the matters before us. We thank you uh, for the friendships uh, represented in this room. We thank you that you uh, have called us uh, into fellowship uh, with you. Uh, we thank you most of all for the gift of the Lord Jesus. Mm. Uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide our conversation and uh, and bless it to the glory of Christ. Amen. Amen. So uh, you just prayed to the Holy Spirit. Are we allowed to do that? I think so. Okay. I think we're encouraged to. Uh, okay. Well, that's one of the things we're going to talk about in your book, your fantastic book, uh, Friendship with God, A Path to Deeper Fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Um, but before we talk about this book, uh, let's talk about the book that put you on my radar, uh, Church Planning is for Wimps. Mm. I remember reading that book and thinking, this is the first theology book that I've ever like really had fun reading, hmm. right? Like I literally laughed out loud on several occasions reading that book. Reading that book is uh, what eventually led to me coming to Sixth Avenue Community Church in Decatur. Uh, to to do a church revitalization effort. I, I thought the Lord might have been leading me in that direction, and then I read Church Planting is for Wimps, uh, and the bottom sort of fell out for me. I couldn't stop thinking about it. You know, That was my second time reading it. So can you tell us a little bit about you know, who is Mike McKinley, where do you pastor, and a little bit about how that book came to be? Yeah, so um, I pastor Sterling Park Baptist Church, which is about 45 minutes west of Washington, D.C., in yeah. Northern Virginia. About two hours with normal traffic, but should be about 45 minutes. <laughs> um, it's only 0.5 miles away from the Capitol building. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, let's see what's uh, important about me. Married to Karen for 25 yeah. years. Yeah. Five kids from ages 21 to 11. It's a lot of grace. It's a lot of grace. Yeah. Um, so from Philadelphia, Ooh. Uh, which means I have anger issues. Yeah. Um, that I, <laughs> I come by naturally. Um yeah, no, I've been pastoring there for about 18 years. And we were a we were meant to be a church plant uh, from Capitol Hill Baptist Church um, down in uh, in DC. Yeah. Which is the church I'd attended as a college student. Yeah. Kind of sent me off to seminary. Um and uh instead of planting a new church, we wound up revitalizing a church that had been around since 1857. Yeah. Yeah, this little country church, no pastor, ten maybe ten people on a Sunday. Yeah. I think $22,000 in giving the previous mm. year, uh, building falling apart, mm. the fastest growing county in America and the wealthiest county in America. And so everything was just uh, exploding around this little church. And the, it was sort of symbolic, the, the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia came and they expanded the kind of main road right by the church mm. and, uh, and they rerouted it so that the road basically went behind the church and the church was basically facing the wrong way, which is like a, <laughs> a metaphor. And so you kind of drove down this highway and there was just the back of this like ugly cinder block yeah. uh, built that had been added onto the little country chapel in the somewhere in the 1950s. Um, but we joined up, instead of starting something new, we thought let's join up with this church because we're just going to watch this church die. Yeah. Um, so we said, hey, look, why don't you call me as pastor? We'll bring our people. We'll join up with you. And we'll get this thing going again. Yeah. And they said, no, thanks. <laughs> and uh, right. So I probably would have said the same yeah, thing, man. Yeah. And yeah. so then about three months later, we uh we kind of intersected with them again and kind of pitched the idea again. And they said, No thanks. And then about six months after that, 
uh, they well and truly were out of money and ideas. And so the local Baptist association sent out a consultant. He said, um, so the neighborhood kind of surrounding the church is about 95% Latin American at this point. Okay. And uh, he said, well, why don't we do this? Let's close this church down and give the building uh, to a Spanish language church. Uh, and they thought, you know, that guy from the city isn't quite so bad. And so <laughs> basically their unwillingness to, uh, to hand the church over to Spanish speakers yeah. is, is why. Um, so the first thing we did was plant a Spanish language church. And it's like, still going, right? Still going yeah. by God's grace. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's how I came to be pastor of that church and, and revitalize it. So in terms of writing the book after I'd started writing a bit, um, at the encouragement of nine marks, they asked me to write some articles. Yeah. So I wrote some articles on church membership which I think were genuinely terrible. Nice. And so uh, I sat down with uh, our mutual friend, Jonathan Lehman. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he said, you know, Mike, some people are really smart and academic and, you know, put together really carefully argued, like footnoted, nuanced, um, you know, works. Mm -hmm. And the church really benefits from that. And um, he said, you're not that, but right. you are kind of funny. So like, why don't you try to write something <laughs> funny? And so... Uh, so I wound up going, being sent by Nine Marks to to the first sort of proto gospel coalition uh, conference yeah. out in uh, at Trinity uh, in Chicago, yeah. and they said, "Why don't you just write something?" And so I just wrote a really mean spirited, um, sarcastic uh, sort of hatchet job on the the first gospel coalition meeting. <laughs> I and, didn't uh, know this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was appreciative, but also yeah. but also. Um, some amazingly like funny things happened there. So yeah. the, the Lord was being kind to me. You didn't latch on to all these evidences of grace. You latched on to the funny, terrible thing. Oh yeah. 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 There were some, some truly wonderful things there um, that we can talk about yeah. offline. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that seemed like it was well received and wait, uh, was it published? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. So from that point on, I started, I found, sort of found my voice, like, okay, I, like maybe I should be comfortable kind of being yeah. who I am, uh, warts and all. And, uh, over time, every, when people would call nine marks and ask for, you know, church planning advice, I was the closest thing to a church planter that was sort of around. So yeah. they just have people call me and I noticed people kind of keep asking like the same five questions and I keep telling the same like seven stories. Yeah. And so eventually I was like, I should write this up. And so I wrote yeah. it up in a book proposal. Um, and, uh, to everyone's shock, Crossway agreed to publish it. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't have a typical Crossway vibe. No, yeah. no, but, um, that's yeah, fun. They, they were, yeah. They were, <laughs> they were great to work with and, uh, yeah. and it's been a, it's been a blessing, but I figured, you know, I've been pastoring for four years. I should probably write my memoirs. And, yeah. Get yeah. it out there. Exactly. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the, what's like the best story? I know you can't tell us 15 stories, but like, what's the best story from those early years of revitalization? It could be best in as, as in funniest or best as in like your most Royal screw up. Oh man. I mean, yeah. I mean, there, there were, there were just some Sundays where I, I don't know if you had this experience here, but there, there were some Sundays where I was just like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like oh, what yeah. on earth oh, yeah. makes this seemed at all. I remember in the first week I went through like the filing cabinet, like in the main office. Yeah. And I, I found um, like newsletters from like three pastors previous. Yeah. So he did a weekly newsletter and he would, he would draw in pen. It was sort of like mimeographed, you know, yeah. kind of like, yeah. and uh, he would draw in pen, like illustrations for whatever he was talking about. And oftentimes it was like apocalyptic, like dragon stuff. Ooh. And, uh, and then he he left the church because he discovered the lost 
tribes of Israel no. in Ethiopia. And so no. like, but for the last like year of his ministry, like that was kind of the focus. And so there'd like be press releases and like radio advertisements and they were hosting conferences at the church and the church had like 10, 15 people. Um, but this guy was like all in on it. He's just burning up that tithe money. Baby. And, I was, and I just remember thinking like, yeah, I don't like, I don't think I'm the guy to, to lift this boulder, you know? And <laughs> in fact, that was true. Um, but yeah, there, there are just a whole host of times, you know, the, um, the guy playing, uh, the guy playing the keyboards, who was one of the 10 members there, um, he'd be playing and the, there's a teenager in the back who was running the slides and he would have all these like, like funny things like the, that he would throw up on the screen, like while the guy was trying to lead singing. Oh, so there'd be, it would say like Jim's head with like an arrow to like Jim's head and things like that. And, <laughs> and you're like, where do I, where do I even start? But, oh. but then like, you know, he and his girlfriend would just make out in the back during the sermon. Oh you know? man. You're like, all right, I'm going to hit you with one of mine. I'm going to give you one of my best ones. So we're maybe like a year into this thing to the point where, again, every Sunday you're walking in you're like, I don't know, man, I shouldn't have done this. Right. Like I'm trusting the Lord, but like you, as you're getting ready to go walk into the meeting hall, you know, there's going to be nine people there and you're going to go up and try to pretend like everything's normal. Hello. Yeah. Welcome to this gathering mm -hmm. of Sixth Avenue. You know, yeah. uh, my name is Sean. Uh, but we had maybe 20, 25 people, maybe even more at this point on a Sunday morning. And uh, we had had this member who had been trying to assert his everything really. And, uh, and so I'm about halfway through the sermon and another member in the church stands up and just starts cussing me out, just starts screaming at me, you know, and another thing and everything's in slow motion. And I'm like looking around waiting for somebody in the congregation to please do something to stop this. Nobody's doing anything. Finally, I get some of the deacons to take this very upset church member outside. And I look down at my notes. Everything's a blur, right? And I go, some, some, Jesus, you know, let's pray. And then I go out to go talk with this guy. That's pretty bad, right? As soon as I leave, this guy who's been trying to exert his will walks up to the podium and says that he has a prophecy oh, for our congregation. Mercy. And then basically proceeds to prophesy all this stuff against my ministry in the church. And so to cap it off, I was a jerk to my wife. I see her out in the hall afterwards and she's like, so how, how was service? And I'm like, you think this is funny? You think this is a joke? You think what's happened today is a joke? <laughs> For me, right? Cause I love, you know, and uh, I didn't realize she was in gospel kids. <laughs> so she had no idea. You think this is funny? You know, so. So there were nine people there, but you didn't notice that one of them wasn't your wife. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't point out the flaws in my story. Okay. Just let it live as it is. Uh, okay. So listen, if you are a pastor who's in a church and you're trying to bring it back to life, pick up Mike McKinley's church planning is for Wimps, brother. I've given that book out to so many brother pastors 
And I also used to give it away to, uh, in the earliest days of our revitalization, I gave it, I gave it to every person who wanted to join our church. Mm. Jesus told his disciples, count the cost, right? So that was my way. Hey, you're going to come help us. I want you to know what you're getting into. Read this book. It's not exactly the same, but it's basically the same thing as what you're going to experience here in this church. And if you're down, stick around. And the Lord really used it, man. So thanks for writing it. That's awesome. I think one thing that's I think surprised and encouraged me is just how many people have read the book and been like, that's my story also. Yeah. I, I think I probably thought, okay, here's some princi- universal principles here, yeah. but to realize like, oh yeah, this is actually like what it looks like. This yeah. is how it, just generally how it goes. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, another one of your books that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, if we have time, am I really a Christian? I use this book quite often, but to the book of the hour, friendship with God also published through Crossway. So apparently, wait, hold on. Crossway, man, you're really consistent. Have you published a book that's not with Crossway? I have. Yeah. But you don't want to talk about it. I don't want anybody from Crossway to hear this and like, they don't know. Right? No. Okay. That's all. Um, good book company. I love this book. Hmm. Uh, I love it. It's so good. I'm not just saying that because you're my friend and I'm not just saying that because I'm interviewing you. I'm telling you, I love this book because it's so devotional. It's, I mean, um, I'm not trying to knock old Fred Sanders, the guy who wrote delighting in the Trinity, but it feels like this book gets me closer to what I think the aim was in that book, which is a rich Trinitarian theology that that feels relational, right? It, it, it actually feels like it's stirring my affections, not just for God in general or Christ in particular, but for the entire, all of the Trinity, right? Um, and uh, I prob- probably just committed a heresy the way I said that, but you'll come back and tell me if I did. Um, anyways, uh, it's so rare to find a book on the Trinity or a, about any kind of finer point of theology that is is so richly devotional and warm and that actually helps me to not only love God more, but to feel like I love God more. And I feel like your book did that. Did you set out to do that with this book? Yeah, it really was exactly what I set out to do. So, you know, in many ways, I'm. this has been the, my favorite book to talk about because really all the ideas belong to John Owen, which yeah. I guess we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, so I yeah. feel, I feel actually yeah. free to be like, I know it's amazing. Right. Cause I didn't really think of any of this stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, but for me, um, uh, about three years ago, four years ago, I, um, my church graciously granted us a sabbatical and I was standing in my, my library kind of figuring out, okay, what am I going to read? I've got three months off. Mm-hmm. I don't need to read like to prepare something. Um, and, uh, I was looking around my books and you know, that's like one of my like favorite things to do. Like yeah. just leave me alone with books for a long time and yeah. just let me choose one. Yeah. So it was, it was a momentous moment. I'd kind of planned a couple of days to do this. And, uh, and so I came across Owen's, uh, communion with God. Mm-hmm. It's been on my shelf forever. Which you hadn't read before. Had not read. See, I thought maybe like you were assigned this book in seminary or something. I might've been. Okay. That might be why I had it. Okay. <laughs> but but right. I definitely hadn't read it. Okay. Uh, and, and I thought, you know, um, it was one of those books I was like, as a pastor, I probably should have read this. But I thought, you know, as as a pastor, I spend a lot of time reading the Bible, talking to people about Jesus, talking about Jesus. Um, but like, I'm not even sure I know really what communion means. Like, I, yeah. like, I mean, I have a sense of it, but like, yeah. I, I, if you asked me to explain it, I'm not sure I could exactly. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, this is, 
this is it's probably really easy to talk about Jesus a lot and to read the Bible a lot mm-hmm. and have something less than real communion with God. And so mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'm I'm gonna make it my goal to to uh, tackle this book on sabbatical. And so I read yeah. it and it blew me up. Like it wow. just it was like just turning all the lights on in the room. Wow. And so um, over time, so I read it, reread it. I found that like there were some people that I could use it with, but they had to be highly motivated and, yeah. and really kind of committed to reading difficult yeah. texts. And that's you just mean not, in discipleship in, in the discipleship. Church. Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, and that's a small sliver of ministry. And so I just found myself like using the insights in Owen's book in ministry all the time. I just was like, I wish, like, I wish there was, I could give this to, yeah. to folks. And so yeah. uh, I do, I do a Bible study on Wednesday nights for guys from a local AA chapter. Yeah. And they're, it's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. They're, uh, they're mostly new believers, not a lot of background in the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so I thought I set out the goal of this book was to, was to take Owen's communion with God and write it in such a way that that these guys like in my Wednesday night Bible study could yeah. could read it devotionally and appreciate it. Wow. So actually I gave them like chapters as I was writing them yeah. and just being like hey give me any feedback yeah. you know on on uh, so so what you're describing is what I was aiming for to just try and something that would really help just a normal like Christian yeah. engage with communion with with the triune God. That's really good man. Uh, and I love I love the way you, you you're striving for accessibility because if there is one thing that John Owen is not, it is accessible. Yeah. I mean, I, I gave uh, a copy of this to a brother in our church, and I was like, "Hey, let's read this together." And he said, uh, every time he came to where you quote Owen, it just stopped him dead in his tracks. Yeah. I mean, even the quotes, they're they're only like three or four sentences long. Yeah, but. It's brutal, man. Yeah. And those are the clearest, most accessible, most <laughs> in context, you know, quotes. Yeah. But yeah. Is yeah. it just because he's so fluent in Latin that it affects his prose in English? That's what people say. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not in a position to judge, but that's the theory is that yeah. like he's basically writing English with Latin syntax. Uh. Um, but it's interesting. This was so Owen's, this is like 1650s, so mid 17th century. Yeah. And uh, communion with God, these were lectures or sermons given to yeah. uh teenagers, to teenagers. At Oxford. Yeah, yeah yeah so this was 17th century youth ministry <laughs> you <laughs> know, so. that reminds me of uh the time mark said that uh he spent a whole summer just reading the bondage of the will out loud to his youth group i just thought who does that who does that yeah not me yeah uh because youth group is not in the bible amen amen all right it's on <laughs> we have it on camera <laughs> If you want to help support Room for Nuance, and if you want to help get this message out to as many people as possible, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or any other platform, please be sure to subscribe and leave a good review. It helps us out a ton. Thank you. And we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Uh, another thing about Owen's writing, which I guess you can't really avoid if you're going to take his book and just sort of modernize it, is lists listicles. He's, you know, three of this and four of that. Here are three ways that the Holy Spirit does this and four ways that the Holy Spirit did that. About halfway through your book, I just started sort of keeping count of how many different lists that he has. And uh, I just stopped when I got to 50, you know? Yeah. Uh, I actually wish one thing I wish I had done is create an appendix in the back of some of the better lists. Yeah. Um, Because it's just, I thought, man, some of these would be really helpful just to have like kind of a quick access to. Yeah. 
because I, I find lists to be really helpful and practical, yeah. you know, give just, you know, I don't need a lot of fluff. Give me bullet points and things yeah. like that. So, yeah. so I am benefited by that, but yeah, he, uh, he never says anything in 10 words if he can say it in a hundred <laughs> and the lists sometimes like he'll be like, look five things. And then like point three, we'll have like six things. Yeah. And then like within like the fourth thing off the third thing, there's like four more things. And yeah. you're just like, I have no idea where we are anymore. <laughs> and then he'll be like, so like sixth. And you're like, wait, sixth, what? Sixth, yeah. what? You know, like you have to flip <laughs> yeah. back six, yeah. you know? So I started making, you know, I have this like complex notation system in the margins of my books to try and keep it straight. So, so, so how do you go about, cause this is not the first book I've read like this. They did this with John Owen's, um, temptation, right? Mm -hmm. Temptation and sin. Who did that? Justin Taylor. Uh, they did an edited version yeah. of overcoming sin and temptation, but not exactly this. No, there's a, yeah. there's a book, uh, Chris Lungard did a book called the enemy within yeah. where he took Owen's like sin and temptation and kind of, it's a little bit different than yeah. what I'm trying to do. Cause here I'm like taking each You're, one of his chapters yeah. and, and turning it into a chapter that reflects yeah. his point. And whereas, it's really your voice. Yeah. 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 Whereas like Chris Lungard is taking Owen's ideas yeah. and, and repackaging them really helpfully, but okay, a, bit, okay. a bit differently. So, so how do you go about doing this? Like writing a book about another person's book where it's not even commentary on the book. Well, I guess it is. I don't know. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, I found myself kind of drifting back and forth between like saying, and then Owen says, and then like, I'm kind of preaching and then I'm kind of like, well, and then Owen said, and then I'm yeah. kind of taking it from there. So, um, it, that was a challenge. Yeah. What, what I try to do is just take each chapter and like isolate a main point yeah, and right. maybe some, like some of the best quotes that I thought either I'm going to try to include these or yeah. this like so perfectly summarizes the genius of this yeah. section that yeah. I want to make sure it, it, it translates, but it was it was a lot of work. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about like expositional preaching uh, and how very, especially if you're picking a larger like pericope, how you often have to leave certain stones unturned because you can only just say so much in, in, in an hour, yeah. you know, or in 35 minutes in your case. But um, uh, is there anything that you left out that you're like, hey, man, looking back, I wish I would have put that in there? Well, there's if you've if you've read communion with God, like, you know, that there's kind of a big dodgy section in the middle on the song of songs. Canticles. <laughs> yeah. Where, <laughs> where like Owen just goes to town, like allegorizing all sorts uh, of things about like uh, the, the, the marriage relationship between Christ and the church. Yeah. And it's great devotional stuff, but almost certainly not what the text is about. <laughs> and so, and so trying to kind of take those, you know, even I was telling a friend that I was doing this project and he's like, what are you doing with the song of song stuff in the middle? And I was like, yeah, even exactly, exactly. So just trying to kind of, oh, but again, he has a great point, right? Yeah. That, that it's significant for our relationship with Christ that, you know, one of the main sort of word pictures we get is marriage. And so, you know, there's all sorts of helpful things there as yeah. long as you don't say like, oh, the, you know, the, the readiness of the lover is, you know, this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and that was, the, that was the stuff I left out. I'm, I don't think I regret it. Good. Okay. Uh, you have no regrets. Communion. It's basically just a fancy word for friendship. You think that's going a little too far talking about being friends with God? Is that a little too casual? I don't think it is. So commun um, communion and friendship are not I would say exact parallels, but okay. I think they're close enough that my fear is that communion is a word that sounds religious and sort of, um, sort of vaguely spiritual and everyone would go like, okay, yeah, we're supposed to have communion with God, but don't even really know what that is. Yeah. Whereas 
So I, I, I try to sort of take the angle of explaining it from through the lens of friendship because yeah. I, I think it gets most of the, the, the meat there yeah. and we, and we actually know what friendship yeah. is and is like. And so, I mean, to answer your question, I think, you know, Owen says the great discovery of the gospel is this like that, not just that God saves us, right. Which is way more than we have like any right to expect, yeah. not just that God would forgive us. Right. And not just that God would sort of bring us into like eternal bliss and joy. Yeah. Though again, that's, if that's all we got, like that's, be, that'd be amazing. Yeah, more than we deserve. But, but actually that like God calls us into a relationship with him, yeah. uh, a friendship, right? Didn't which, Jesus say that? What'd you say? Didn't Jesus say that? Yeah. 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 And you see it all through the Bible, even, even in the garden, like what's God doing there? Like he, he could have just created and sort of flung the world off, you know, into space, but he, yeah. he's there present with his creation. Yeah. Um, he's, he's talking to Adam and Eve, interpreting the world to them, you know, talks, Moses talks to God, you know, like a man talks to his friend, yeah. David's called, Abraham's called a friend of God. Yeah. So, so you see this, you know, Jesus then, you know, is perfectly modeling for us and demonstrating us the father, right? And he comes and he's not a, he's not an isolated loner. He has friends. He calls yeah. his disciples friends. Yeah. John 11, you know, the, the big headline there is raising Lazarus from the dead. Yeah. But like at the very beginning, they're like, Hey Jesus, your friend's about to die. Right. You know? And you're like, yeah. wait, Jesus has all these friends like yeah. off the pages of the of, of scripture he's like <laughs> just out there like having friends no so, he can have followers and that's it yeah no, yeah exactly he can have friends and so it does it does seem significant that um even though it does sound too good to be true if if god didn't say it you yeah. wouldn't have the right to presume it but if god says it then then you must then you have to believe yeah, it yeah. Yeah. yeah even thinking about in contrast to islam this idea that you know, you observe the five pillars, uh, and it's still not a guarantee that you'll make it. But if you do make it, you're you you enter into the master's house as a slave. You know, not as a friend, not as a family member, uh, but Christ. Uh, and again, if He just called us into His house as a servant, that would be better than we deserve. But we're not just servants; we're friends. Yeah, it's amazing. It it is amazing, and I think that's one of the things that's great about coming at this topic through the through the the lens of the Trinity is because. You know, the, the Trinity is love and relationship, mm. right? And so, yeah. you know, it's not clear to me how Allah could have friends, you know, if he's sort of singularity, right. you yes. know, and, yes. but, but the, the Trinity shows us that like God exists in eternal relationships of love yeah. between the father, son, and spirit. And so yeah. we're, we're being invited into that. Yeah. And so to, that, that's where, you know, I think at one point, you know, uh, Owen makes the point, I think I sort of draw it out that like, if, if we just think about God as king or judge or creator, right. like all those things are true, but like our Muslim friends would say yes yeah. to that. Our Mormon friends, mm -hmm. our Jewish friends would say yes to that. Um, it really is this picture of like a loving relationship yeah. modeled in the Trinity and then extended to us, yeah. you know, um, as God's people that, yeah. that is, is the great source of joy that we have. It, it's kind of lost on us when we even pray the Lord's prayer that Jesus is like, here's how you talk to God. You say, our father, yeah. you know, that, that shouldn't be lost on us. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, um, you say that there are two basic problems with us comprehending this call to enter into friendship with God. You say, first, it's, it's hard to believe because it's too good to be true. I think we've kind of already touched on that, but you can add anything to that if you want. But you say also that we don't really know what it means to be friends with God. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I think with the, with the first point of being too good to be true, 
you know, I think we just, we have a good sense of ourselves. Like every, you know, everybody has the friend who like sends them stupid jokes all the time. No, I don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, so if I, if I had a voicemail from, you know, I don't know, LeBron James, okay. right? just pick your, pick your, yeah. pick your celebrity, okay. right? Being yeah. like, Hey, come over and like, like, let's chill this weekend. Yeah, I'd be like, that's right. Sean, come on. Like, that's not even funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't like, play with me. That's a week, right? Yeah. Cause like, I'm not that guy. Like, I'm not, yeah. like, I don't know anybody famous. I'm not that, you know, yeah. but like when you have a brush with fame, like, I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Like, it's weird how like you feel important. Yeah. Even though, you know, yeah, right. Like, like I had a friend, I had a friend who was friends with a guy who was really good friends <laughs> with, uh, like a, one of the best baseball players in the world. Okay. Like MVP level guy. Yeah. So when he came to DC with his team, like we got to go down on the field and hang out with him. Yeah. And like another guy that I know just happened to be there and saw me with this other guy. Yeah. And, I, and for a minute I started feeling important. Yeah. Cause again, I'm the friend of a friend, friend of an important person. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you're Gloria Jason. Yeah, it's yeah. true. And just like, it's so funny. Cause it's like, I, I, I'm not very good at baseball. You know, I love it, but I'm not very good at it. And you're like, why, like, why does just being around that guy make me feel important? You yeah. know? And so it, like how much more to think like that God would, would want to like have me down on the field for batting practice, right, yeah. you know, to, to extend the metaphor, right? Yeah. Right. Like that God would want me in close, yeah. right? Like we do. He would call you and be like, Hey, what are you doing? Let's hang out. Yeah. Forever. Exa exactly. <laughs> you exactly. Know? You know, it's, you're like, uh, that's too good to be true. Especially like, because we're enemies. It'd be different if we were just sort of apathetic towards God or just didn't know him. But because we're enemies of God, it's yeah. all the more incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a million reasons not to invite yeah, us over. Right? That's right. Yeah. And then, you know, to the second point, just I think most people don't have a sense of like how to actually live out a a friendship with God or a relationship with God. We talk yeah. about it a lot. Sure. That's the that's the what's really helpful, I think, about Owen's book is that it's so practical. Like yeah. it, here's what it looks like. Here's here's you know, how God has moved towards you in friendship and here's the ways he's given you to respond. I think most Christians, you know, if you look at, you know, I'm sure you've had people like this in your church who they leave to go to another church because they, they want a place that makes them feel spiritual. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, yeah. or the person who's like always looking for the new conference, the new, the new thing that's going to like get them over the hump. Mm -hmm. Right. Or the person just feels like stuck in their relationship with God and doesn't know what to do. Or, yeah. you know, it, like all, all those people are basically experiencing some version of the same problem, which is like, I don't know how to carry out a day to day, like walk with the Lord. Yeah. Right. I, we're, we, maybe it's American, you know, evangelicalism, but we're, we're addicted to, experiences right and yeah, and, right. and we think like oh that's the thing but you can't live there all the time and so like what does it look like just to have yeah. a, a day day by day like friendship with god yeah that's really good brother um uh your book reminds me a lot of uh dane ortland's less popular yeah uh <laughs> uh you know gentle and lowly uh it's the reformed version of um rick warren's what's the name of that book Purpose-driven life. Purpose-driven life. That's right. Uh, or the runaway hit. But um, a lot of guys that I know think that his book, Deeper, is better. Um, where he just basically does what you do in this book, except for he just does it with the Bible. You do it with John Owen. We won't compare and contrast. Who's We're not going to say which one's, better. which one's better than the other. Right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes do you ever like pastorally, do you like pair books together and think like, oh, like if I wanted to, like I would give these two books to this person so they could work through it. Uh, yeah. an issue that's i think dan orland's deeper in this book friendship with god never communion with god unless i'm giving it to an egghead but yeah. those, those two books together hmm. 
Anyways, enough about Dane Orland. Uh, you you talk a lot about in this book that our relationship with God, uh, and, or whether that's just God or our relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're going to come back to how we relate to each of the persons of the Trinity individually. But you say that that friendship is a two-way street. But we're Reformed, right? Monergism, am I right? Saved by grace alone, through faith alone. God does it all. He's sovereign. Yep. Am I wrong? I mean, you're right that we're reformed. Okay. <laughs> and that monergism is a thing. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So it's a fun word to say. It's a fun word to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think in that sense, it's the same. It's it's the same way we distinguish between justification and sanctification. Okay. Right. Justification is the, the work of God, you know, monergistically. Yeah. But sanctification we're invited into the process. Mm -hmm. We have to participate. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling yeah. for it is the Lord who wills and works. Yeah. Yeah. So Owen has a helpful way of kind of thinking through it. He talks about the difference between our union with God and our communion with okay. God. So our union is that monergistic salvation, right? We're united to Christ um, by the power of the spirit. We're saved. That's God does that. We don't have anything you know, we don't bring anything right. to that except our yeah. sin and right. the faith he gives us, right? Yeah. And so that union is something that can never increase or decrease. It's never more or less true. When mm. you're united to Christ, like it's 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 a finished work. Yeah. Right. So nothing we want to say about our relationship with God uh and the and the role that we have in it, it we want to say affects that at all. Okay. So I sin, I'm still united to Christ, right? I, you know. Go to church and preach a great sermon. Still united to Christ by faith. It doesn't right? increase. You're not. There's yeah. not more. No union more. There. No less. Yeah. When it comes to communion, that's our that's our enjoyment of that union in our sort of daily experience. Mm. That sense of relationship and closeness to God and and just yeah, the word enjoyment I think is really helpful. Yeah. Um. The the pleasure we're able to take in in knowing God and, yeah. and belonging to Him. Yeah. And that is something that we can affect. So, you know, when I sin, I experience a loss of communion with mm. God. Um, Quench the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. When yeah. I, uh, when I obey, I, I feel his pleasure. Right. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, it's like any friendship, right? Like, yeah, it's the difference between like the fact that we are friends and we have a friendship. Yeah. Right. So you and I are friends. Right. Yeah. And that's a, you know, a, a settled fact. Yeah, it's sorts. a relational thing. Maybe, maybe yeah. not an eternally settled fact right, like yeah. union with Christ, but it is in my but, mind, but whatever. But yeah, follow me. Um, you know, but we have a friendship, right? So like yeah. when we spend time together. Like when you come into town for the weekend. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So if if we never did those things, if we never talked, if we never like yeah. shared a meal, if we never like had a conversation, yeah. That that sense of friendship would would wane or right. you know, it would it would diminish. Right. And so in the same way, um, you know, our friendship with God is something that we participate in. Now it's, it's different. Cause like in our friendship, we have, you have kind of two losers <laughs> trying to make it work. Right. <laughs> Handsome, but losers nonetheless. Exactly. Yes. Whereas with God, you have one perfect like right. partner in the yeah. friendship. So if there's a, if there's a disruption, you can be pretty sure you know, it's, it's on, on our, it's end. on your end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't participate in it. Yeah. We're going to come back to that. Cause that's, that's really interesting. Uh, the specifically, if there's a problem, it must be with our end. I think some people would find that to be offensive. Uh, you also are, uh, you do a good job towards the beginning of the book talking about the difference between knowing God and knowing about God. This is one of those things that I think sometimes in our circles, we're like, yeah, duh. 
but then you meet like new Christians or Christians who haven't been discipled well and, and you give them that distinction and it's mind blowing, yeah. you know, can you, can you just speak on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, have, have you read, um, Michael Reeves, um, uh, evangelical Pharisees? Yes. I just finished it. Yeah. I don't know why it took me so long. <laughs> and by the way, I think he's the one who wrote delighting in the Trinity. I think I, I think I said Fred Sanders earlier, but I think it was Michael Reeves who wrote it. Happy to, happy Anyways. To yeah. Fred Sanders. Um, you know, he, he, uh, in one of the first chapters of that book, he he talks about how the Pharisees loved Scripture so much yeah. that they they never really got around to loving God. Yeah. Like they never got around to actually realizing, oh, the Scriptures are the way we know God. Right. They're yeah. not an end unto themselves. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the that's a danger for for evangelicals, particularly you know Reformed folk. Amen. You know, folks are going to listen Amen. to a four hour podcast uh, talking about an old Puritan <laughs> book. Um, <laughs> Maybe yeah. not four hours, but you know, so I think the, the danger is that we just know a lot of things about God, but yeah. never actually have that relationship. And so, yeah. you know, I, I use the the illustration in the book. So Don Mattingly, I'm a huge New York Yankees fan. Okay. 1980s. He's the first baseman MVP candidate. Right. So I'm like 11, 12 years old and this guy's my hero. Yeah. And so like, I know everything about him. Like I could tell you his middle name. I could tell you his birthday. I could tell you his first wife's name, tell you where he was born. Right. Like yeah. I know everything there is to know about Don yeah. Manningly. Right. I yeah. give you his stats and everything. Like I don't know him. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't, I don't actually know what he's like behind closed doors. Yeah. He doesn't call me and let me know like what he's thinking. Right. Yeah. So it, it's, I, I know a lot about him. I don't know him. Yeah. And the danger is that we might approach God in a similar way where we're content to know his batting average, you know, we're content yeah. to know, you know, all these different things. Right. Yeah. Born in Nazareth like all that stuff, yeah. Bethlehem yeah. from hometown Nazareth. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but never actually get around to like having a relationship with him yeah. and knowing a bunch of stuff about God avails you nothing. That's if, right. if you don't actually know him, Satan knows a bunch of stuff about God. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things I love about the Spanish language is that they have two forms of the verb to know. One is saber and the other is conocer. Saber means to like know about something. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I, if I would say like, I've studied this city. I would say, yo sé esta ciudad. Like I know, I know this city, but if I've never been there, if I've been there, actually, I would use a different verb, conocer. I would say, yo lo conozco, right? I I know this place, right? And I just love that that's built into the language. Like there's an intellectual ascent. There's knowledge about something versus like actual personal experiential relational knowledge. Yeah. 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 Um, So, you say that because our God is triune, we don't just re- relate sort of generically with God, right? It's very unchristian to to constantly use generic God language. It's like Barack Obama's hope language, you know? It's just, what does it even mean? When we, as a pastor, when you're doing membership interviews with someone and they, they never use like the name of, of Jesus, it's just something doesn't ring... Uh, yeah, there's just something off there, right? It's because the God that we worship is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you say that we we not only should, but we get to relate to each member of the Trinity, each person of the Trinity, distinctly through these things called mediums. Uh, is that like a psychic? There's going to be a lot more really good jokes like that yeah. for the rest of our time together. So that, I look yeah. forward to that. Yeah. By uh, the way, it's hot in here. If you want to take off your sweater, you're more than welcome to. Okay. I don't have a shirt on. You're also either. welcome to keep it on. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, yeah. So Owen uses this uh, language of a medium, which um, I find to be really helpful 
but a medium is basically something around which a relationship is organized mm. as he's using it there. It could, okay. mean, it could mean other things, but so, um, you know, your, your relationship with your dentist, yeah. the, the medium is your teeth, right? Right. The, your relationship with your mechanic, the medium is your car. Okay. Like you might, you might talk about other things with the, the mechanic or yeah. the, the dentist, but like basically you're there to, to deal with teeth and, and cars. Yeah. And so Owen, I think hopefully sort of distills from scripture that the Bible seems to talk about kind of a, a specific medium for our relationship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. So sorry, you said the Bible says this. Yeah. So it doesn't use the word, it doesn't use the word, medium, use the word but medium. you mean conceptually, this is not like Owen's just inventing this. He's not, I think he's trying to identify. He's distilling what he sees in scripture. Okay. And saying, you know, so um when it comes to the, t- the time of the father's relationship yeah. with us, the, the medium Owen points out is is his love. Okay. Like when when God the Father talks to you, yeah. Like he wants to talk to you about his love. Yeah. He wants to convince you that he love that he loves you. Which means that Jesus and the Holy Spirit don't love us. Correct. Okay. Um, there's no room for nuance here. <laughs> <laughs> see what yeah, I, you see, see what I that's the name of the podcast. See what I did. Yeah. Um, so it's not to say that Jesus and the Holy Spirit don't love us, but that that seems to be the sort of primary sort of emphasis. Yeah. Emphasis yeah. of okay. our relationship with the father. Uh, when it comes to the Lord so, Jesus. Sorry, real quick before that in the book, just for anyone who's listening or watching, you have a bunch of scripture references, which I think demonstrate this pretty clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was really blown away by that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So father love. Yeah. Uh, with the son, yeah. it's grace. Okay. And then with the Holy spirit, the medium is his comfort. Mm. So it's not to say those things are exclusive. And in fact, Owen even, he acknowledges like, we're talking about the Trinity here. Like this yeah. is, this is above our pay grade. You know, yeah. he, he quotes from one of the church fathers that like, no sooner do I think about the one that I'm led to think about the three. Right. No sooner yeah. do I think about the three that I'm led to think about the one. So yeah. you can't isolate these things out and say, okay, the father loves, the son's gracious, yeah. the spirit is comforting. And there's no, there's no right. overlap or, right. you know, right, right, right. or yeah. sharing of those. Yeah. But, but that does seem to be the sort of the thrust of, how the Bible says we relate to each person of the Trinity. Uh, So let's talk about, let's, we'll, we'll go through each individual member of the Trinity, uh, starting with the father. Uh, According to Owen, uh, how is our communion? Like this is a game show. How is our communion with the father different from our communion with the son or the Holy spirit? Well, I I think it's different, not in the sense that, it has a different end or different aim, but it's different in that he is, you know, a distinct person and has a distinct role within the Trinity in terms yeah. of sending the son, sending the spirit. Yeah. Um, and as we talked about the the medium, particularly it seems the emphasis is his, his love for us. Yeah. Uh, let's pause right there. Um, maybe this is not some, this isn't something that you'll want to talk about at length, but while I have you here in front of dozens of, of viewers, scores, of scores there are dozens of us. Uh, I do want to ask, what are your thoughts on the eternal functional subordination question? Cause when you say that, that each member of the Trinity has distinct roles and the father does something like sending the son, uh, sending the son, right. Uh, that, that, uh, some theologians, Wayne Grudem, Jonathan Edwards, you know, they think that that means that there is a kind of subordination, not of essence, but of uh, function and role in the Trinity. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm I'm not the guy to like definitively speak on that, but yeah. I, I think that's wrong. Okay. Um, I think it's probably important that that's not right. So okay. certainly the Bible speaks about, you know, the spirit being sent by the father the, and the son. The father yeah. and the son. Yeah. Um, 
Though actually a case of my books accidentally got delivered to the um, Eastern Orthodox, the Ethiopian Coptic church down the street. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I thought they, they're going to think I'm messing with them, the, but, but I'm not. The Filioque Claw strikes yeah, again. That's right. Um, but I, I do think it's, I think that's an unhelpful way to think about it. I don't think the, the Bible speaks in terms of um, subordination okay. in, in eternity. It's, it's clear even this, Jesus talks about the spirit coming right? The spirit has agency in yeah, his, okay. in his coming to us. You know, uh, Jesus in John chapter three, in his discussion with Nicodemus talks about the spirit being like the wind, right? Yeah. There seems to be kind of a, a sovereignty assigned to the spirit that yeah. I don't think, I don't think we're meant to understand that being sent is somehow, um, you know, subordinating. So is, I, is EFS heretical? I mean, not, not like Arianism is heretical, okay. but I think it's unhelpful. Yeah. I think it's not right. So we'll just call it bad juju. All right. Um, Mike, and I'm going to need a little more, you, even if it's just a fake laugh. When I make my little jokes, if you just give a fake laugh for our viewers, okay. you know, okay. yeah. <laughs> let's pretend like we're having a good time. I felt like I smiled wryly. <laughs> Dude, you gave me nothing. Uh, and you guys can feel free to laugh as well. All right. And we're going to conclude from that that the, the lack was on my end. I would say so. Okay. I would say just like you say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if there's ever a lack yeah. here, it's going to be it's only be on my end. Yeah. Okay. We'll just go with that. Um, I love this this illustration that you have on page twenty seven. You say that you talk about how um, Jesus helps us to relate to the Father in this medium of love, right? Because left to our own devices, we can't even begin to appreciate and understand and, and, uh, enter into God's love. And you say that God's love is like a faraway fountain, right? So like this wellspring and Jesus is like a stream that brings God's love to us. I just thought that was so good, brother. Yeah. Isn't that, it's, it's Owens. So I can, just, you know, <laughs> I, I can be happy in it also. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But just that idea that you're, you're drinking water here that has its origin elsewhere but yeah. it's been carried to you yeah by the stream and so the we're drinking of the father's love brought to us you know yeah through the, the work of christ it's so good um you say on page 33 that it is our job to convince ourselves that the father loves us sort of this uh long history of like preaching to yourself which is very good very useful but isn't it the holy spirit's job to convince us that the father loves us isn't that one of his ministries to us yeah, I think it is. Okay. I mean, in the same way that Jesus brings us the Father's love, the Spirit, you know, sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts. Yeah. But again, we don't we don't sit back passively. Yeah. In that the way the way the Spirit works is by speaking to us through the Word, right? But we we exercise belief in that, and yeah. you know, fighting in the power of the Spirit and the strength of the Spirit, fighting against lies that would convince us that the Father doesn't love us. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it is. You know, it's kind of back to your original question about, you know, monergism versus synergism. Yeah. You know, it's, it is not opposed to, you know, faith and trust to work energetically right. towards the things God's called you to. Yeah. And so to believe takes effort. Yeah. Right. You, you, you read books, right. To help you understand the world yeah. that you live in because you know, Hey, I'm being assaulted yeah. by, by lies and falsehood all the yeah. time. And I need, I need to work hard to sharpen my thinking yeah. so that I can see that that's a lie right. and hold it up to the truth of the scriptures, you know? And so I think yeah. that's effort that's well rewarded when yeah. it's applied to believing that God loves you. Yeah. Right. So if you have a, you know, if you were raised in a home where, 
you know, you were told you were worthless. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's, that's the narrative that's just in your head all the time. Right. It's not enough just to say, well, the spirit will get around to convincing you that God <laughs> loves you. Right. Like you're going to, the spirit's going to speak to you through God's word. Yeah. And then you're going to need when those, when those thoughts come up, look, I'm worthless. Nobody loves me. Yeah, right? right. You're actually yeah. gonna have to put some energy into saying, Hey, that's not true. Yeah. Like here's, here's all the evidence of God's love. The father's told yeah. me that he loves me. He sent his son to die for me. Yeah. Um, and, and even your ability to do that is something that God is working in you. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So it's yeah. not, it's not self. Your flesh righteous. isn't telling you to preach the truth of God's love to yourself. Exactly. Yeah. In yeah. your moments of doubt. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, but what God doesn't call us to do is just sort of sit back helplessly and yeah. say, all right, well, spirit, when you get around to convincing me, yeah, I'll be convinced. Yeah. Uh, one of the best teachers on this modern teachers anyways, I think Piper, just like you're constantly pointing back to Owen, I think Piper would just say, I got it all from Edwards, but he's one of the best teachers on, on how these things fit together on how like God wills the miracle. He says the, his phrase is we have to act the miracle, Mm. you know, and any attempt to shift to more of us or less of us is, is a categorical mistake. So he has, I think, uh, for any of our listeners or viewers, he has a really good look at the book on desiringgod.org that you can check out on that. Um, I, I have here in my notes that I should read something from page 37. So let me open up. Can you look, look how weathered this is. I I had it in my car. I was reading it in restaurants at the airport. I took this copy off my wife's (laughs) nightstand. It's pristine. So nice. Have you ever seen a small child open a gift only to wind up playing excitedly with the bow that was on the package? The problem is that he doesn't understand the value of the gift he has received. He is unacquainted with just what it is that he has been given. We are just like that child when we find our souls thrilled by the prospect of a new superhero movie, but relatively unmoved by communion with the father. Yeah. You want to riff on that? Well, you know, my, my kids were pretty dumb when they were little. So we'd we'd give them these great gifts. Right. And they would, they would just play with the box, right. Play with the bow. Yeah. And so I think that's helpful because it is, it is what we're like, but then even just, if you think about, okay, what do I do? Well, what do you do with a little kid? You, you take the, you take the Legos and you show them what they can do with it. Right. And you show them like, this is why this is amazing. Like you don't, the reason why you love the bow is because you don't have any idea how great this is. Yeah. Right. And so like, let me, you know, let me take you on a tour yeah. of all the things you can build with this or yeah. the things you can do with this or yeah. how fun this game is to play, you know, yeah. those kinds of things. And so I think that's the, that's the joyful thing. When we think about communion with God, like we're, we're talking about like an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. if you don't experience it, it's because you just don't, you, you don't know what it is yet. You yeah. don't understand it yet. Yeah. And so the good news is like, as much as you love that bow, like God's got something way better for yeah. you. And so it's a, it's a, it's a delightful thing. Yeah. Um, uh, There's a lot of real practical application here, not just for pastors, but for anyone who's trying to disciple someone else, even like a God centered vision of like how you fight sin and, and put like carnal desires to death. You can, and in many ways you should focus on the sin. It's bad. You should understand how bad it is. You should understand the way that it hurts you. You should try to avoid it. You should put protection in place. That's good and necessary, but if that's devoid of like this God-centered vision of of everything, then you're always going to be struggling uh, to mess up your illustration a little bit. You're going to want to go back to the bow, 
you know, yeah. because you, you just, your vision, you haven't been captured by a vision of, of the glory of God. And, and it's only when you come to see God as supremely worthy and beautiful and glorious and holy and amazing that then when you go back to the world that you'll be like, Oh, I actually don't want this at all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's the expulsive power of a new affection. Right. Yeah. Jonathan Edwards. Chalmers. I think. Oh, okay. But I'm just saying names, baby. Oh. I thought I might get one. <laughs> Fred Sanders. <laughs> yeah, but that but that idea that you 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 don't you don't um you don't fight sin by just being like sin is bad. Yeah. Right. That that may be marginally helpful. But what you really need to do is see the beauty of of God. Yeah. So the the um you know the illustration with that is you know, the, the science teacher that says, okay, what's, he holds up an empty beaker and he says, okay, what's the best way? Everyone's, your job basically before the next class, figure out the best way to get all of the air out of this beaker. Yeah. Right. And so everyone designs like a different vacuum machine and a suction thing. Right. And they come back with their devices and he's like, you know, one kid just like fills it with water. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the fastest way to get rid of all the air. Yeah. Like put something else in there. Yeah. And so in the same way, like we could fight against sin in our lives, but yeah. unless you put something else in there, like it's just going to fill up again right away. Mm. And so like that, that vision of the beauty of God and yeah. delight in him yeah. and affections for him yeah. is what displaces the affection for sin in our life. Yeah. And so wow. the problem isn't that we like, like sin too much though. That might be a problem. That it's is that a problem. It's not the it's biggest, not the problem. biggest yeah. problem is we yeah. don't have a taste for, for the real thing. There's another, I'm sure this is not original to me. Um, you know, in, in the Odyssey, uh, the, the sirens, you know, the boats you know, go by and they hear the song and they crash. And one of the things that uh, they, the sailors would do is put wax in their ears. And so that way they couldn't hear it and they would, and that's good. We have to do that, right? We have to put, we have to stop looking at the world, loving the world. But uh, another thing you can do is have someone play a more beautiful song. You know, and so that that song is so beautiful, you can't even hear the song with the sirens. And yeah, same thing. A lot of different ways to say the same thing, brother. We could say more about uh, what our, how we relate to the Father, but let's move on to talk about the Son. You're careful to say on page forty nine that the Son's relating to us through the medium of grace is not something that Owen made up on his own. Why did you feel like you needed to say that? Well, again, I think. Um what I don't want anyone to walk away with is the idea like, oh, these are a bunch of really good ideas that some old dead guy had that may be yeah. more or less useful. I think the question we need to ask is, is Owen sort of accurately reflecting the teachings of scripture? Right. Because if he is, like, again, I, I wouldn't dare approach God on the basis of friendship unless it's really clear that he wants me to, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I just think it's important to note that, like, again, this isn't Owen just sort of making stuff up, but he, he is carefully considering scripture and then, yeah. and then showing that to us. Okay. Um, you, you talk a lot about how we relate to Jesus through both who he is and what he's done. Is that, is that particular to Jesus? Do we relate to God generally that way? Or is it more specifically Jesus? But I think it's particularly, it seems that Jesus is meant to reveal God in his, you know, incarnation and mm. his, his work among us. So I think there's yeah. a, a kind of a unique way. Uh, in which we look to the the work of Jesus. So certainly the the works of God in creation are you know yeah praiseworthy and and those sorts of things. But they're accomplished through Jesus. Bada bing. Well, yeah. where'd, where'd you get that? 
Um, from John Owen. <laughs> <laughs> Who probably got them from the Bible. A little bit from yeah. the Bible, yeah. But so I, I do think, yeah, the, the the distinction between the work of Christ and the person of Christ, right? Both of them are, are beautiful and praiseworthy and, and, yeah. and gracious. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this, this question on page 62, it just really resonated with me. Um, and again, like earlier you were saying, like maybe you grew up in a household where you know, nobody loves you. Nobody ever told you that they cared for you. Uh, I had a childhood like that. And so one of the things that, that, and growing up without a dad, you know, one of the things that, ha that it has done in my life, in my heart is that I always struggle to believe that people love me as much as I love them. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I always feel like, Oh, I want to be your friend. And I'm never quite sure, even if you are my friend, if you really want to be my friend, mm -hmm. well, you'll help me work through that later. But you say on page 62, so we know that Jesus loves his people, but can we also say that he delights in us, that he enjoys us, and that he wants to have us around, right? So, <clears throat> you know, insecure person relating to another person in, in a relationship, in a friendship, you, uh, that person might be able to say, I know that you love me, but I'm not sh so sure that you like me. Mm -hmm. and that's a terrible feeling. Yeah. Right. There, there's something there where it's like almost like even if you do love me, but if you don't like me, I actually don't want you to love me. Right. Yeah. Um, why? So why is this so important that that we think about the fact that like Jesus actually does like us? He delights in us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just clarify. My my parents did love me growing up. because nice. my, my mom might listen to this and I don't want her to think. Right. That, right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I do think. Congratulations. That yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was blessed. Um, but I, I do think that you know, like again, in a friendship, if you've ever been in a position like that, like maybe, maybe you have, but like, I've definitely been that where like, yeah. you're like, I'm definitely more into this person than they are into me. Yeah. It's a terrible <laughs> feeling, right? Yeah. Because you're like, it, it, it just kind of ruins everything yeah. because part of the, part of the delight of friendship is not purely like in the other person, but it's also in being delighted in, yes. right? Like yes. we're, it's not, it's not selfish or self-absorbed to want to be loved. Yeah. Like we've been, we've been made that way. Yeah, and so right. when we find people who love us <clears throat> and we love them, then like, you have a great, a great friendship. And so yeah. if, if we were, if Jesus were to love us in a way that wasn't really. That uh, it was cold. Almost. Cold. Yeah. If it yeah. wasn't, if it wasn't intimate, if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't personal, if it was just kind of abstract, like, yeah, yeah like I love this group of people and you're one of them. So yeah. like, come right. on in, you know, I'll save you, but just don't come over too often. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That, that would be, that would be, it would still be better than we deserve, but it would be less than what actually yeah. Jesus's love is because, yeah. and, and Owen, you know, draws that from song of songs and the, and the, the wedding um, and marriage yeah. sort of pictures in the Bible. And, uh, and, you know, at one point he has this, uh, I won't get the quote exactly right, but he's basically just says like for Jesus, like in his church every day is the wedding day. Yeah. Like that's, you know, the, the way you looked at Amber on your wedding day. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that's every day for Jesus and his people. Like yeah. he never gets like, he never gets sick of us. He's right. never like, yeah, no, I've like, yeah, you know, woken up next to this person every day for 25 <laughs> years and you know, his breath smells kind of thing. Right. Like every day. He never looks over at us and is like, wow, you put on weight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, like because Jesus is, is <clears throat> perfectly loving and because he delights in his bride, yeah. like we are, we are always uh, delighted in. And so even if you sin, like even if you, if you screw up, yeah. right. Like how about we say even when? Yeah. 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 You know, we in in our sort of normal human relationships are like, okay, I need to avoid that person, right? Yeah. Like if if yeah. you know, if I did you dirty, right? Yeah. Like I'd be like, at some point, Sean and I have to like 
hash this thing out. Right. But like, I'm going to avoid him until then. Yeah. And I'm not going to look forward to that conversation, but, but it's not like that with Jesus because he doesn't actually need us to be anything in order to love us. Like mm. that's the, like, that's the greatness of God's love. Yeah. He's not dependent on us at all. Yeah. Right? He doesn't need the object to be lovely. Yeah. And so because Jesus can love us like that and does love us like that, like we can, like no matter how badly you've just screwed up, yeah. like you can go to him and he, he's going to, yeah. he's going to love you and accept you. And that, that does increase his, his glory, right? Even, even on human terms, when we see people like you think about mother Teresa, who was in many ways, not, not really a great person, but she, she had this ability to love people that other people thought were really hard to love. And therefore we heap glory on her. Yeah. Right. So yeah. how much more with God and us his like eternal enemies, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you say on page 62, going into page 63, Owen offers us one proof out of many of Christ's delight in us. He has told us his thoughts and enables us to tell him ours. You can see how that's a sign that Jesus really does view us with joy and love, right? I don't share my deepest thoughts with strangers. You don't tell your most intimate secrets to someone you don't like very much, but Jesus shares his heart and mind with the people in whom he delights. He wants us to know him and he wants us to feel that he knows us. Really powerful, brother. Amen. Yeah. And then you say, sorry, on the next page, I'm just going to read your book to you if that's hey, okay. That's all good. <clears throat> Are you going to be surprised when, when you hear this? You're like, I, I did that. Hey, that's the glory. Oh, Every time you write a book yeah. and you, you're like, oh, wow, that was actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That part wasn't terrible. I actually had someone recently send me an article and I read it and I wrote him back. I was like, dude, this is really good. And they're like, yeah, you wrote it. Uh, I'm like, okay, I feel bad now. But you say, that's not all. And another thing. But wait, there's more. Jesus doesn't just reveal his thoughts to us. He also makes it possible to reveal ourselves to him. And a little later you say, after all, the government knows a lot about me, but I don't consider it my friend. In order to have a sense of communion with Jesus, I need to be able to share my heart with him. Right? So going back to this, it is a two-way street. And... It's just, it's strange and it's hard for us. Going back to what we said earlier about these barriers to our friendship with God, it doesn't feel like it could possibly be true that Jesus wants to hear from me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, there's, there's a, um, it, it needs to be nuanced, right? We got room for it. We Go got ahead. room for it. Okay. Because on, on one hand, what we don't want to do is, and maybe this is like where reformed theology, you know, the young restless reformed thing kind of, kind of hit at a, at a good moment. Right. So okay. as, as American evangelicalism got more <laughs> casual, yeah. right. And more like, Oh, uh, like God's your friend. It's a relationship. Jesus is my homeboy. Yeah. Mark Driscoll it, shirt. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a relationship, not a religion, yeah. that kind of thing. Right. And, and well, yes, but like God is holy. He <laughs> is, you know, a consuming fire. Yeah. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Right. Yeah. It's, so like, this isn't friendship, like a sort of casual, who cares, like whatever right. you want to do kind of thing. Right. And so we don't, we don't want to, you know, think about it in those terms. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, we really are called into this sort of intimate communion. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the kind of friendship you'd have with like, like a king, yeah. right. Where you're yeah. like, you're, you're the king's friend. Yeah. And so like, you can know him personally, but yeah. he's still the king, right. Yeah. It's still, it's That's still right. amazing. And so, yeah. Yeah. So Jesus calls us, you know, to, to reveal ourselves to him and to, to, and he, he reveals himself to us in his word and by his, by the, the gift of his spirit. And so that, that means that like this incredibly, I mean, like, have you read the book of revelation before? I, I have. You yeah. have like, 
Like three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's amazing. Like reading it with people who haven't read it before <laughs> and you're like, so, Hey, there's this guy and he's like got <clears throat> eyes of fire and his feet are like flaming bronze and like his hair is like white wool. Like, who do you think that is? Yeah. And people are like, Jesus. And you're like, I know. Right. So like Jesus is a pretty like uh glorious guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the amazing thing is like, we're, we're called to like relate to him as friends, like to have the kind of, and, and you wouldn't really enjoy that experience unless you were really sure like he wanted that. Yeah. So, but like the, the, the danger, the thing we want to avoid on one hand is just casual, like who cares? Right. And on the other hand, being so terrified that you're like, well, I wouldn't possibly ever, yeah. you know, presume. Right. But actually, you know, like Aslan, I mean, that's, you know, CS Lewis, right? Like, He's still a lion. Yeah. He's your friend and yeah. he's going to take care of you, but he's still a lion and don't forget it. Yeah. 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 And the, you know, so, you know, if again, think about any friendship, right? Like you and I go out to, to eat and, and catch up. Like, I'm not, I'm not like worried. Like I'm not sitting there the whole time stressed. Yeah. Like what's Sean right. going to think of me? Right. Yeah. Like, I hope I don't make him mad. You know, like what yeah. does he want me to say now? Yeah. Right. I'm not on pins and needles because like, I know you, you know me, we're friends. So we're going to catch up. I'm going to tell you what's going on in my life. Yeah. I might ask you for advice on things, right? You're going to yeah. tell me what's going on with you. And it's, and it's, it's an, it's a natural kind of back and forth that's built on the fact that like, I know you care about me and I care about you. Yeah, right? right. And so that's what Jesus, this glorious one invites us into not to, not to come and be like, okay, I don't want to say the wrong thing, yeah, you right. know, but, yeah. but actually there's a freedom just to, yeah. To, to go to him and in prayer and just and worship and yeah. unburden ourselves to him and 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 talk to him and and disclose our hearts to him and then he amazingly enough like discloses himself back to us yeah you know in his word and, and through his spirit okay so okay then let's work through this there's a sense in which he he is still a lion and we are still sinners and there should be some slight sense of trepidation there uh <laughs> You and me out at dinner, that's one thing. Guy with flame, flaming, fiery eyeballs, that's another thing. But is is there going to be a difference in heaven when we've been perfected, when, you know, there is no more sin in us? Do you think we'll, some of that will dissipate and we'll enter into like a new stage of deep, comfortable friendship? I don't know. I haven't been there. <laughs> Uh, you would think the answer would have to be yes, right? Yeah, but I would want to say I don't. <clears throat> I don't think we relate to Jesus as sinners. So in yeah, heaven now, even, even now. Okay. I mean, if because he kind of took care of that. Yeah. On the cross, but we still sin. We do, but we are sanctified. Forgiven. Yeah, we're. We I are mean, being we're, sanctified. We're, yeah. But we're clothed in his righteousness, Amen. right? He does. That's the whole yes. thing. He doesn't okay. relate to us as okay. our sins deserve. Okay. So yes, I think the difference is like there. There's still the issue of sin, yeah. right? So like when I, you know, when I fall into sin. I go to Jesus and I, I want to talk to him about it. Right. Okay. And I want to hear from him about it. Um, so yeah, that won't be there in eternity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but I don't go to Jesus with my identity as like sinner who has True. offended this guy. True. Right. My identity is like forgiven, adopted, clothed in his righteousness. Yeah. Right. And so I come on that basis. Yeah. And so I don't have to, I don't have to cower or be, hmm. be afraid. Interesting. I would like to, I've read the whole Bible, there. so I could be wrong. <laughs> Not yet. No, I have. I'm just <laughs> On page 70, you say something very mean and frankly judgmental. Hmm. You say, and you said this earlier, you say that if uh, it bears repeating, you say it twice, so that's important, hmm. that if there's anything lacking in our communion with Jesus, we can be sure that the problem is on our end. Why would you say that? 
Well, it's true. So that's one reason to say it. Okay. The other reason would be, again, if, if I feel a disconnect in my, in my relationship or my communion, my friendship with God, if there is a, a disconnect there, it, it is actually helpful to know that. And actually I find quite comforting to know that okay. the problem isn't on Jesus's end. It's not that he lacks love for me yeah. or has run out of grace or patience or yeah. mercy. Um, because that's a problem I can't fix. Yeah. Right. If, if Jesus is mad at me, yeah. like I've got no way to fix that problem. But if I can be certain, okay, there's something, something on my end that perhaps needs to be adjusted or yeah. addressed, then. What about like a third factor, like uh, suffering, like, su- like unjust suffering, uh, persecution for righteousness sake, sure. which the suffering has, it felt, it feels like it's put a barrier. Uh, it's disrupted your communion with God. You would still say the same thing? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the origin of the disruption is always necessarily in us. So I think you know, particularly the Puritans had a category for the fact that God might sort of withdraw his comforting presence in order to strengthen us in some way or, or yeah. grow us in yeah. some way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to deny that fact, yeah. but I'm saying basically if there's, if there's a problem, it's on my end. Yeah. If there is a problem and it has to be either Jesus or us, it's us every time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you have this great quote on page 72. You simply won't enjoy his presence if you're mistreating your spouse or consuming pornography or stealing money from your workplace. You won't feel Jesus's closeness and pleasure if you are withholding love from your brothers and sisters in the church or failing to be generous to those in need or refusing to forgive those who sin against you, right? All of these things get in the way of our uh, experience of uh, God's loving kindness. Yeah, and I think that maybe to the, the the thing we were just talking about, just pastorally, you, know, you talk to people and they're they're in the doldrums and they feel yeah. like God's far away, and they they kind of come like I'm um, just like something's like I, it's not I don't know like it's not yeah. right right yeah. and 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 the way they've kind of settled in is like like God must something wrong with with God right yeah. like he's just not there he's yeah. not what, but then or Christianity you yeah know, like yeah yeah when but then oftentimes and again sometimes I want to leave a category for the sure. fact that that, yeah. that may not be directly yeah. related but but usually when you scratch the yeah, surface dig down a little. there's something going on there yeah. like well let's talk okay there's this issue in my marriage yeah, right? right there's this you know broken relationship in the church yeah there you know yeah um I, go ahead yeah I, I remember a uh a guy was on staff um with us uh, uh, as a pastor, it was just like his first week in, in on the job, and a guy made an appointment to talk to him and came in and said, "I'm just really, I'm really doubting God's existence. Like the Trinity just seems like, you know, the Trinity just seems really hard to to believe." And I'm just, yeah. I feel like God's a million miles away. I don't even know if He exists. And uh, and the the friend was just like, "How long have you been looking at pornography?" Right. Yeah. He's like ten years. Yeah. You know, and you know, not, not to say the one-to-one correlation there, no. but, but he definitely nailed it. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, that might be why God feels far away. We right? say the same thing around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some, some kid goes off to college. He comes back. He's like, I'm having some pretty strong intellectual concerns. And you're like, so who are you sleeping with? Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Even, um, I've been paying attention to the way the narrative is shifting regarding the causes of uh, depression and anxiety, even though those two aren't the same thing. They tend to go together. And, you know, for the last 20 some odd years, it's been, um, you know, neurochemical. There's, there's gotta be some primarily biological explanation for this. And uh, the experts are shifting on that. The, The closer they get to look at people's lives, when you ask someone, why are you depressed? They go, I don't know. 
and that's true. There are categories for sometimes when like depression comes on people for reasons that they're not responsible for. But more and more experts are starting to see that it's lifestyle stuff. You know, it could be you have three small kids at home, you're unfulfilled in your career, or you haven't slept in a year, you know, uh, and as pastors, we would say, or you're caught in this pattern of sin. But there's there's more that there's more that meets the eye. There's more going on underneath the surface. Yeah. And so that's often true. I, I just wrote an article um, to bring this back to me, which is what what we were all waiting for. For the Gospel Coalition, uh, five reasons you may not be enjoying Sunday morning service. Have you ever have you ever had that conversation with members who are just unhappy on a Sunday morning? I've definitely talked to unhappy yeah. members. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not not uh, not under your preaching, I'm sure. No, no. When when the other guys preach. Yeah. And anyways, I, I put this quote in there. So there you go, man. I just Probably got you maybe two or three more book sales. All right. Nice, right. dude. One of my favorite chapters in the book was on cleansing grace. And here in my notes, I just have, I want to read Mike's quotes back to him. On page 80, you say, In the courtroom of the universe, there were many legal demands that stood against you, the claim of justice that your sin must be punished. But all of that has been set aside, declared no longer relevant to your case, and the guilty verdict against you has been nailed to the cross of Christ. Owen comments on this glorious truth, saying, What court, excuse me, what court among men would admit of evidence that has been publicly canceled and nailed up for all to see? That's a really vivid word, word picture, right? Like any just court system, if the evidence has been thrown out, cannot bring it against the accused. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to read the other one while I'm at it. Page 81. Sanctification means not only that we are loved by God, but that God makes us to be actually lovely in his sight. That's a heck of a thing. That I is. don't feel very lovely, but he's going to do it. He's he's doing it. He's, he's doing it right he's now. Doing it. He's yeah. Doing it. Uh, 2 Corinthians being changed from one degree of glory to another as we behold the glory of Christ. <clears throat> but in the second coming... On the last day, we're going to fully, finally, completely see the glory of Christ and be absolutely transformed, conformed into his image. Yeah. That'll be the day, huh? Yeah. 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 I've even just, I've just finished preaching Leviticus and was just struck in the, you know, you've got the, everything kind of builds up to the day of atonement in Leviticus 16. So you yeah. have the, the sacrifices and the priests and the cleanliness code. Yeah. And you have the sacrifice, the day of atonement uh, in the middle. And then you have the holiness code, right? Which is like, okay, how are you going to live now? Like you've been, you've been brought into my presence on, you know, through the day of atonement. Yeah. Like, how do you, how are you going to live in the land? Yeah. And the answer is holiness, right? Yeah. And in chapter 26, it's like, we think of holiness as this like, uh, well, I don't get to do the things I really want to do. Right. But like chapter 26, God's like, look, I'm going to like, if you obey my statutes, I'm going to blow this thing up. Yeah. Like you're going to, you know you're gonna have trouble figuring out where to store all the food. Right. And you're gonna have trouble eating through it before you have to harvest the next thing. Right. And, yeah. and, and then he, he says, you know, right around chapter or verse five or six of chapter 26, he says, he's like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to walk among you. Mm. Right. And it's like back to Genesis right. language. Yeah. Um, and, and so he calls his people to this holiness because he's there yeah. and, and you have to be holy if yeah. he's there. Yeah. And, uh, and it's interesting, like when you get around it, well, like how are they actually going to do it? It seems like what the Lord was calling them to then was these, these um, weekly or these the weekly Sabbath, yeah, and then these yearly festivals. He calls them holy con convocations, yeah, times of joy and celebration, yeah. And it's like we're it seems like the picture like God's going to draw the people of Israel into His presence to worship, and that that experience of being in His presence is going to make them holy, mm. right? And and being holy will fit them increasingly for His presence, mm. and 
And so, you know, obviously that doesn't, doesn't go well, <laughs> but, but Jesus comes in and, and it's great. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, yeah. uh, and that's actually very much what God's doing in us right? yeah. as we, as we worship him, as we commune with him, yeah. as we spend time in his presence, like we're, we're made more holy. And then finally there'll, there'll be a day when we're made perfectly holy and mm. enjoy his presence perfectly. Come Lord quickly. Let's get on mm. with this project. Um, you do a really good job of walking through the drama of the gospel in page 89. Dude, this whole section on the sun is just a bunch of quotes I want to read back to you. And so I shall. You say it's not too difficult to picture. It's page 89. Imagine that you come into Jesus' presence carrying a heavy, foul-smelling bag filled with your sin and corruption. After you've looked carefully at your soul and your life, you've seen that the picture isn't pretty. And so you are daily weighed down by guilt, rightfully ashamed for all your sinful deeds and attitudes. Maybe you're afraid that Jesus won't be willing to help you, but you hear his gracious call for you to come to him. That's step one. Convinced that he loves you and is able to help you, which is a key distinction. Um you hand that nasty burden over to him. That's step two. Finally, you take hold of the beautiful gift of his love and holiness that Jesus has purchased for you. That's step three. And this way, you can go about your day not crushed by a sense of your sin, but confident that God loves you and treasures you. So this is a, a section where you're talking about how we actively rehearse the gospel drama when we're under this burden of guilt because of our sin, right? And you talk about these three steps. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, and this is, again, this is drawn right from Owen, but he sort of imagines this this, uh, this conversation, this call that Jesus is sort of, uh, is, is calling to individual believers, you know, on, like on a, on a daily basis saying like, come and give me your sin. Like it's, I know it's bad. I yeah. know it's terrible. Yeah. I know it's heavy. I know it's foul. But yeah. But actually I've got it. Yeah. Like I'm I actually I died for this. I have grace sufficient for this. I I have taken this off you. Yeah. And so that sort of that sort of daily rehearsal of that drama, right? Of of bringing your sin to Christ. He, Owen calls it like faith's great acting. Yeah. Like the, the great work of faith that we're called to believe is that Jesus actually is sufficient and willing and able and has taken our sin. Yeah. And so that we don't actually walk around with that burden at all. Yeah. Right? We don't, we don't carry it at all because yeah. Jesus, Jesus took it. Mike, what do you do with members in your church? Oh yeah. Who, you try to do this with them and it feels like you don't make any headway. Maybe this is a question that's slightly cynical um, and I don't intend it to be, but I found like I can think of, of brothers and sisters who just struggle so much to believe this, that you do this, you, you rehearse the gospel drama with them and you do it constantly. And they get like, their head comes above the water. They get a big breath of air. They're feeling victorious. And then two weeks you get the text uh, hey, can we meet up and talk about this again? Yep. Are there some sheep that we're just going to have to just be constantly doing this with? Uh, do we ever get, I mean, is there hope for like a, a deeper victory there? Yeah. Yes. To both questions. I think yeah, okay. there, there are, I think going to be some folks who have a particularly sensitive conscience who are particularly like plagued by their sin. Yeah. And this is just going to be harder for them yeah. constitutionally, temperamentally. I don't, maybe it's, 
Satan's attacks, right? Condemning them. All the above, yeah. Right, it could be any of those things. Yeah. But yeah, and, and I don't think the fact that we have to rehearse this often is a problem necessarily. Okay. Yeah. The great we should is, all probably do it more often. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I think, I think that's, I'm not, I'm not worried about the church member who wants to keep talking about this, Yeah, you know? Right. And, and ultimately, you know, the, the solution is to look more fully at Jesus and less at yourself. Right. Yeah. So it's not, it's not necessarily like a selfish thing, but it is a, it is a, you're looking down instead of looking up. Right. Right. Because when you look to him, you see, oh, he is, he is actually sufficient. He is yeah. glorious enough. He yeah. had, he loves me enough. Um, and again, the, 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 the glory of his love is that he doesn't yeah, like, yes. Yeah. You're, you messed up. Yes. Yeah. Like you're not lovely. You're not worthy, but yeah, he's that good. Yeah. Right. And so, so when, um, when, when I sit down with ex church member and they do what they, they give me their, their baggage, right. Their nasty, smelly, stinky burden, as you describe it, or as Owen describes it. And I go, all right, let's just rehearse it again. You mm-hmm. know, let's walk through the mm-hmm. gospel drama again. I'm not, I'm not missing something to do that. I'm not, I'm the, there's no bigger or sharper tool I should be using. I don't think so. I mean, yeah. you, you may want to like, you may want to help them think about why it is they struggle. Yeah. Right. You may yeah. want to help them kind of get better at yeah. looking up rather than, yeah. than looking down, but there's, there's nowhere else to look like you're looking to the right spot. <laughs> right, right? Yeah. And it's not, it's not to say that we make light of sin, obviously, or that, you know, that's sure. No, right. Yeah. That's yeah. In Romans six, right. We're not, yeah. we're not saying that, you know, don't, don't worry about your yeah. sin because grace has it. Right. Um, yeah. In yeah. fact, you know, Owen's got a whole great section on how, yeah. And that's not what this illustration is saying. Not at all. Yeah. But, but when you've sinned or when you, when Satan tempts you to despair and tells you of the guilt within. Yeah. What do you do with someone who's carrying a burden that's not real? They've, they've fabricated a burden like Luther in the confessional, right? The priest tells him, come back when you actually have a sin to confess, right? They've just, their conscience, conscience is too sensitive. It's so sensitive that, uh, any, anything that, that they can interpret as sin, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, like Paul's discussion of the conscience with the Corinthians yeah. seems to indicate that like our conscience isn't just a static thing, right. but actually can be calibrated, can be, can yeah. be calibrated yeah. and educated. Yeah. And so I think it's helpful to educate people's conscience. This, yeah. this thing you feel condemned over actually isn't something yeah. that you should feel condemned over. Yeah. Um, you know, oftentimes, um, oftentimes people uh, allow them, allow themselves to sort of feel condemned you know, over this seemingly strange or minor thing. Yeah. And it's a way of, major thing a way of ignoring here. this bigger thing yeah, over here. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've had that experience where you, yeah, I've done you're, it. Yeah. You're, you're, you're talking to somebody about this thing and you're like, that, 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 and they're like, you know, after like six months, it comes out, there's like yeah. this massive thing. And you're like, hold on, why have we been yeah. talking about this yes. when, yes. you know, so it could be that it's not yeah. always that, but right. Yeah. You know, I think being pastorally wise to help people grow yeah. in those areas. That's good, brother. Um, man, there's so much more we could say in the section on the sun, but let's let's move on to the the final section. My favorite section in the whole book. I, I found it interesting, the section on the Holy Spirit, that you say that Owen says less about the Spirit than he says about the Father or the Son, um, particularly the Son. You say the section on the Son takes up what, like two thirds of the book? Yeah. Uh I found it to be the richest and sweetest portion of the book. Um and you say that he he deals less with the ministry of the spirit because he deals so extensively with it elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you look at his works, um, 
which Crossway is actually republishing and uh, in a really beautiful edited format. Yeah. So Owen, I think, is going to be more accessible. In Are they going to be cleaning up some of the language stuff? Yeah. So, it'll, I mean, it'll still be the original language, but okay. a lot of like the spelling will be modernized. Okay, the mar okay. So like um, I think it's volume seven that's just come out on the Holy Spirit yeah. and it's beautiful and yeah. it's it's got some helpful footnotes that yeah. just kind of help you with archaic language. Yeah. Yeah, this, the it's just been it's been set up in a format that makes it as easy as possible to read. Oh, good so job, I, highly, I know, right? Yeah. I highly recommend uh, checking that out. But you know, my like my first impression when I read Communion with God for the first time on sabbatical, I put it down and I was like, I think I've only been two thirds of a Christian my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't think I actually yeah. knew the Holy Spirit uh, wow. very well. So I I uh, yeah. had a similar experience. I was just so helped by his sort yeah. of patient consideration, and he does repeatedly say. You know, I've talked about this other places. You know, yeah. So you are incentivized to go read the rest of Owen. Um, sorry, just a little rabbit trail. One of my favorite books ever is Ben Stevens' The Reason Why God Created the World, it, which is he just took Edwards and modernized it. And he was very careful, very careful to really maintain as much pure Edwards as possible. But he cleaned up the language, cleaned up the spelling, but also, you know, really made it a little more modern and grammar and syntax as well mm -hmm. uh i wish someone would do that with all of owen uh i think maybe um so the the one you were talking about sin and temptation mm -hmm. uh they did that a little bit mm -hmm. but what ben stevens did i think is the 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 sweet spot on that i wish someone would do that with all of owen it feels like uh, the glory of Christ is the most accessible Owen that I've read. And even then three quarters of the way is where I always stop, you know? Yeah. Anyways, I won't tell you how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> he rises from the dead. Yeah. He comes back and we will rise with him. Uh, a little gotcha journalism. Okay. okay. I flew yeah. you in to Alabama just to do this to you. Yeah. You, you, I caught a, I caught a heresy in your book. I caught a blasphemy. Mm. You say that the Holy Spirit is a pair of cleats. Can you explain yourself? <laughs> uh, no, no, Sean, it's a uh, paraclete. It's a. That's what I just said. Sort of an Anglo Anglicization of a, a Greek word. Oh, what's the Greek word? Paracoleto. <laughs> okay, so, all right. Uh, well, thanks for asking. So, a paraclete. Yeah. When we say that the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, yeah. um, we're just picking up on the, the Greek word. Uh, in the Gospels, yeah. um, it has a sense of advocate in like a legal sense or comforter. Yeah, so you say like this. That. Yeah, it could be two things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not pair of cleats. Oh, okay. Now I'm tracking. Yeah, yeah okay. It's a different, different idea. You have a really great little one-off comment there that I thought was so helpful. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter because we will need to be comforted. Mm. You know, that's yeah. one of those just little things that you're like, Oh yeah, like life is hard. This world is fallen. Our flesh is still corrupted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you think in in the uh, upper room discourse in John sixteen, I think it's verse two. Jesus is like, "Look, they're going to beat the tar out of you." <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know? Like, I'm leaving. It's yeah. going to be bad. Yeah, it's going to like <laughs> yeah. basically people are going to kill you and think they're yeah. serving God. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of verses later, he's like, "And I'm leaving," and uh, and you can just imagine like so up to this point, Jesus has been like the, the answer to every one of the disciples' problems, yeah. right? You're out of wine, Jesus so, makes more. You're yeah. out of food, Jesus makes more. Mm -hmm. You're in a storm, Jesus got that, right? Yeah. Your friend died, like we got Raising it, right? And so now Jesus is like, look, it's going to be horrible and I'm leaving. Yeah, You know, um, <laughs> you can imagine how terrible that is. But yeah. he says, look, it's good for you that I go because if I don't go, I can't send you the comforter, yeah. right? And it's better for you 
that I go and he comes. Mm. And he's not being like when you when you realize that oh, he's not being falsely modest. Yeah. Like guys, you're gonna love him. It's great. Right. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. I'm like, I'm not I'm nothing. You're yeah. gonna love this guy. Yeah. Right. No, no, he's actually saying that it's better for us to have the the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit than it yeah. would for us to have the sort of corporeal presence of Christ mm. in our midst, which is incredible. Mm. But but yeah, the whole idea is like Jesus tells them this in the context that they're gonna need comfort because yeah. life's gonna be hard. And so God's in his, in his love has provided that for us. Wow. Um, how, how do we, cause earlier we were talking about how like we actively participate in this communion with the various members of the Trinity. How do we actively fight? We have to fight to believe that the father loves us. We have to fight to trust in the grace that Christ gives us. How do we fight to take comfort in the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question. And I think um, part of that, I think, is being aware of the Holy Spirit's work and role so that we can, so we can pursue that and cultivate it. Um, I think being able to identify like the work of the Spirit. Yeah. Owen's got a great kind of uh, little synopsis where he's like, you know, how can you tell something is really the work of the Spirit? Which, which is actually a great question for it's our day. It's a great day, question, Because right? yeah. you're like, hold on, is that guy jumping up? But he basically says like, yeah. you know, the spirit brings um, like freedom, yeah. not burden. Yeah. So if if you're if you're part of a, a church or a ministry that claims to have like the, the presence of the spirit, yeah. but you feel crushed and burdened yeah. by your involvement there, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that's indication. Something could something, be wrong. Something yeah. could be wrong. Um, the spirit leads us to prayer, yeah. those kinds of things. So, right. like, you know, whether people are barking or dancing or jumping, like are people praying, you know, right. are people being yeah. led to pray. That's really the, yeah. the, the distinguishing mark. But um, to, um, he, he frames it actually, Owen in sort of his practical way, like frames our sort of communion with the spirit and cultivating that relationship uh, in terms of three negatives that we see in the new Testament. Yeah. So three things that we must not do yeah. in order to have communion with the spirit. Yeah. So, okay. so he sort of, instead of saying, Hey, here's what you do. He says, Hey, don't do these three things, which yeah. is really a way of saying do yeah, something. Right. right? Yeah. But he says, don't, don't grieve the spirit. Don't quench the spirit and don't resist the spirit. Oh, let's walk course, through those one by yeah, one. Yeah. Grieve. So, you know, in one sense, um, you have to understand this is anthropomorphic language, right? right? Like you can't actually make the Holy Spirit sad. Because right. Yeah. He's, he's sorry. Just to be clear. Anthropomorphism is when we talk about God in such a way to make him more accessible to our finite understanding. Yeah. So yeah. we talk about As the, if he's a man. the hand of yeah. God, right? right. Yeah. Like God doesn't have a hand, but we understand right. the concept. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and so to, to grieve the spirit is to, is to uh, work against his purposes, right? Yeah. To work against the, the good work of, of, uh, holiness and comfort that he's bringing to us. Yeah. Um, and that can be through, through sin, through unbelief, yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, you know, quenching the spirit has the sense of like throwing a wet log on the, yeah. on the fire. Right. right. So, um, you know, Paul tells Timothy like fan into flame mm -hmm. the gift that you've received. Yeah. And so, you know, there are, there are ways that we can be attentive to the spirit's work yeah. and gifting in our lives, um, seeking, you know, yeah. a greater experience of it and expression of it. Sorry, real quick on that. You even I saw this as I was preaching through Leviticus and then later Judges and and uh, Amos. There there are places where God talks basically the same way as He talks about in the New Testament quenching the Holy Spirit, His presence with the Israelites based on their sin. Mm -hmm. I think it's helpful to view that as like not so much an on off switch, right? As like there's like a dimmer, 
you know, and if you engage in sin and you give way to that, then you're going to dim your awareness of his presence with you, you know? And if you, if you walk in obedience and love and joy, it's going to turn the dimmer switch up, you know? Yeah. I mean, you've, you've known Christians who were full of the Holy spirit, right? That just by their life, by their joy, by their conduct, just obviously like gave testimony to the spirit's presence in their life. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean other Christians aren't sure don't have the Holy spirit, yeah. but you know, so even think about like Acts chapter six, you know, the apostles tell the church to recognize men who are full of the Holy spirit, right? Their conduct, their lives, their <clears> wisdom, <throat> their joy was, it was evident the spirit's right. work in their life. And so but it doesn't mean that they have more of the Holy spirit. It means that they're what? That, 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 that they've cultivated that work. The the spirit is graciously at work in them, yeah. you know, with, with particular power yeah. and, yeah. and effect. Nice. Okay. So grieve, quench. Yeah. And then the, the last one is, um, uh, don't forget it now. Nobody tell them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, don't resist. The yeah, Holy spirit. So go. he's drawing, uh, Owen draws that from Acts chapter seven, right. where Stephen yeah. walks through the long list of the history of Israel and he tells the the people of Jerusalem, you know, look, you're just like your fathers mm. who, who just never got tired of like persecuting the prophets. Yeah. And he says, uh, he says, just like them, you always resist the Holy spirit. And, and in context, what he's saying is your, your fathers, they never listened to God speaking to them through the prophets. Yeah. And he's like, and now I'm here talking to you yeah. about the Messiah. Yeah. And you're just like your, you're just like your forefathers. You don't, mm. you won't listen to the Holy spirit when he's talking. He you're, knew how to reach people. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, for us in our context, it's the spirit speaks to us through his word. Yeah. Right. And so, so the question is, you know, if, if you don't read the Bible and, and listen to it and obey it, if you don't listen to God's word being preached and, and obey it, you're resisting the Holy spirit Yeah, and you shouldn't expect to experience much communion with him. Mike, I thought we believed in irresistible grace. We do. Okay. Good. All right. Uh, Owen makes the uh, the point that he's he's not talking about uh, the spirit's role as a sanctifier okay. or a regenerator. Okay. But he's basically talking about what does it look like after that. Mm. So yeah. So again, mo- the spirit monergistically regenerates yeah. us, sanctifies us, sort of, um, yeah. and and brings us to spiritual life. Yeah. And then, but then we have a, an, an engagement and involvement in our relationship with yeah. it moving forward. On page 125, you say, it is a sad thing when Christians know and believe the truth about God's love for them, but receive little comfort from that knowledge. It's like having a world-class symphony play a Mozart composition for someone who is hard of hearing. It's like having a Michelin star chef make an exquisite meal for someone whose tongue is numb. There's nothing wrong with the gospel, but sometimes we lack the capacity to enjoy and appreciate its beauty. And that's where the ministry of the Spirit comes in. He helps us to appreciate and delight in the truths of the gospel. And then a little bit further down that page, you say, can you see how this ministry of the Holy Spirit is essential to our friendship with God? Friends enjoy one another. They find one another's company to be a source of delight. And in his relentless kindness, God is not just content to save us. He wants to change us by his spirit so we can hear the beautiful symphony of his love. He would transform our tastes so we can enjoy the exquisite flavors of his grace. And I just, I I love that picture. You know, it's really one of the more powerful ways to commend the gospel. Like this God is inviting you into joy, particularly to enjoy him, you know? And I just, we, we don't think about God like that often enough. Yeah. Yeah.
and praise God for the spirit and helping us do that. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Um, now to the most important questions of the interview. Mike, what is your least favorite and most favorite candy? I do not enjoy Skittles. Really? I know you're supposed to. Well, it's okay if you don't, but least favorite? You can't think of anything? Well, no. I mean, if they made candy out of poop, I wouldn't like it. That'd be my <laughs> least favorite. But I'm saying like in terms of candies that might interest people. Yeah. 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 So would you do like black licorice over Skittles? Yes, probably. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. What's yeah. your favorite? What's your go-to? It's gonna be it's gonna be in the combination of peanut and chocolate family. Mm. So given any given day, it could be yeah. a peanut butter cup. Yeah. It could be Reese's Pieces. Yeah. Mr. Goodbar is sneaky good because uh, it's just the, yeah just peanuts and chocolate. It just let's get yeah. right down to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, even a Snickers bar. My gives mouth me, is watering. Snickers bar gives me enough to uh, to get the peanut and the chocolate together. Have you tried the Reese's Outrageous? I don't know that I have. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's what America is all about. Mm. Like I am an adult male, so I eat candy like once every four years. Okay. Yeah. I'm an adult male who eats it like seven nights a week. Oh, okay. The, uh, let, me, I, let me extol the glories of the Reese's Outrageous. Okay. It's all the stuff inside of a peanut butter cup, mm -hmm. but like in a, in a log form. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you might get wet in your appetite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it's covered in caramel. Okay. And then it's covered in chocolate, but the chocolate is full of Reese's Pieces. Like little tiny Reese's pieces. Yeah, sign me up for that. I will. We'll do some of that maybe even tonight. All right. All right. Uh, what are you reading right now? Uh, I'm reading Bleak House, as you very well know. Bleak House? Yeah. <laughs> Why did you say it that way? <laughs> Can you show us how Bleak thick House? this book is? Because every time you come here, you don't have a small book with you. It's almost like you're trying to show off. Like you have like a really thick paperback with you. Yeah. Pull it out. Let's see. Come on, man. Ooh. That's good. I mean, uh, it's a lesser known Dickens book. I think that's probably right. What's yeah. it about? It's about a. Uh, it's about a law. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> it's about a law case that dragged on forever. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I'm also reading okay. um, uh, Evangelical Pharisees, the book I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Michael very Reeves. good. Yeah. So yeah. enjoying that. Did you read his other like yellow one, Gospel People? I have it in my bag. Okay. So. Yeah. If, depending on how boring this weekend is, I may may get that finished. You'll up. get it done by the end of the weekend. Are you a serial like books? Like, do you like one chapter in one book, another chapter, or do you like try to plow through one book and then take up another one? A little bit of both. So okay. I like I will like Lord willing go on vacation in a week or so, and okay. I will try to like just crush this. Um, yeah. But then I'll be like jumping in, particularly like theology and things like yeah. that. I'm jumping in and out of books all the time. Yeah. Like I've got six going at once that I'm Same here. inching through. Yeah. But in terms of a novel, I usually just plow through. That doesn't sound very restful trying to like crush a book while you're on vacation. No, Will it be like a, ta are you like task oriented? No. I mean, I, I like for me, like I, you know, different people like to do different things with mm -hmm. their vacation. I want to sit on the beach with a book and a cooler full of drinks. Yeah. And, uh, I don't need to move from like 10 a.m. till the sun goes down. Like wow. I'm just, I'm happy to like get in the water and play with my kids. And yeah, I'm like, I never get tired of just sitting on the beach reading a book. Man, that sounds like Dante's seventh layer of hell for me. Just all day on the beach, never leaving. You can have candy. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. I mean, just sitting there trying to read with the sun. Do you bring an umbrella? 
Uh, we usually set one up, but I don't sit under it because I want the sun. Nice. Vitamin D. That's right. Uh, what's one book that you think now, maybe you might say like, Hey, I don't like questions like this. That's fine. But like, mm. what's like the one theology book you're like, man, trapped on a desert Island. This is what I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to take with me. Mm. I would probably be like Bavink's the wonderful works of God. Oh. just because it's just everything in one you know if i only yeah. get to bring one book yeah it's got everything in there yeah um one of our elders uh our assistant pastor russell Berger, he's reading through that with his kids okay and i'm like you must have some smart kids dude yeah yeah, yeah. uh what's the one of the more slept on theology books like more people should read this it's amazing hmm. you know i am shocked by how few people have read holiness by jc Ryle, Ryle, which like just feels like everyone should have read, but actually like I teach a seminary class on, on personal sanctification. Yeah. yeah. Cause when they looked out over the, <laughs> the landscape of <laughs> potential seminary professors and thought, who's the guy to teach on yeah. holiness. Um, and I signed that book for the yeah. class and I'm, I'm stunned that usually like three quarters of the seminary students yeah. have never heard of it, let alone read it. Well, it's so, fallen on hard times now. Has it? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's too much law. Hmm. Did you not know that? I didn't know that. Okay. You knew that. Is somebody publicly you know, opposed to it? Well, someone. Oh. Sean, um, Sean DeMars. What? Okay. Don't, don't go. Uh, what's, what's one book that you think is overrated? You think like everybody loves this book. Like for me, it was, I'm ashamed to say this, but I read Confessions and I was like, eh. nah. I mean, I get it. It was Ag one of the it's first of its kind. Augustine. Augustine. <laughs> City of God, maybe a little more. Yeah. Yeah. What overrated theology books for you? Um, man, that's a good question. Yeah. Overrated theology books. Everyone loves it. You're just like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Packers knowing God. Gosh, I'm just not going to slam any of these awesome books. They're all, they're all. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think. This is the first time I've asked this question. Mm -hmm. I was trying to see if you were going to. I'm not going to think of answers, but, all, but, but, but something like, Probably the Holy Spirit tells me don't say that out loud <laughs> in public. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Uh, beer or whiskey? Careful. Yeah. Um, beer. Crossway or Zonderpin? <laughs> My good friends at Crossway. <laughs> all right, brother. That's all we got for you. Uh, you've written other books that I want to talk about. I want to talk about Am I Really a Christian? Because I use this in the South. I use this book a lot. Um, I'm actually about to use it to cap off my premarital counseling with a couple. Wow. Uh, believe it or not. You also wrote uh, Did the Devil Make Me Do It? Mm -hmm. Very useful. Um, you've written commentaries. Brother, you're a gift to the church. You're a gift to me as a friend. Uh, last time you preached at our church, uh, several of our members were like, man, the gospel was so clear. I understood things from that sermon that I should have known by now, but I didn't, and he helped me to see it. Mm, so, brother, I just praise God for you, uh, and uh, I'm really thankful that you were yeah, willing to come do this. Wow. I'm grateful for your friendship, and yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are nothing and you are everything. Uh, and actually that's not exactly true because in you we have been made uh, like you. We have been made glorious. We are being conformed and one day we will be 
fully conformed into your image. And we know that that is because of the glorious works of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we praise you um, for predestining us, for choosing us and predestining us and calling us and adopting us and giving us as a gift to the Son. And we praise you, Lord Jesus, uh, for coming down, uh, taking on the form of a servant, not grasping at your deity, but emptying yourself on our behalf, even unto the point of death on a cross, a shameful, uh, shameful death on a cross. You suffered the wrath of the Father for us, and you satisfied the law's demands. And then we praise you, Holy Spirit, for sealing us and for being our advocate and for comforting us and for guaranteeing our salvation on the final day and for basically carrying us all the way home. Because if it weren't for you, uh, we would never get there. So, Lord, we rejoice that all the members of the Trinity are working together for our good and for your glory. And we pray that many uh, members of the English-speaking church and even beyond, if this book is translated, will read Mike's book and have greater communion and deeper friendship with you. And we pray this in the mighty, glorious, holy, beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.